Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Considering different lines in the Lord's Prayer the past several weeks, and today we continue once again. And so our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. The word's going to be on the screen. If you brought your Bible, I invite you to turn with me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, indeed. Let us pray. Jesus, we know that forgiveness comes at a cost. We say grace is free, but only because you paid the ultimate price to extend it to us. May we reckon with what extending grace to others may cost us. And may our spirits and hearts be prepared to offer it as boldly and extravagantly as you have instructed. This path is not easy, but you assure us it is worth the peace, joy, and freedom it delivers in our souls. In your holy name, amen. Good morning once again and welcome. I'm Pastor Corey, and as always, it is a gift to be with you today. We have been studying the Lord's Prayer now for six weeks And I have so enjoyed this series because it's given us an opportunity to not only examine the ways we ourselves pray, but to really examine those words that Jesus has taught us, what it means when we utter these words, something that we may have taken for granted or that we may just not have given a whole lot of thought to. And last week, Pastor Adam really buttered us up with us, I know, right, the small roll of sourdough bread, uh, and uh, he talked about that part in the, the prayer that says, give us this day our daily bread. And he talked about how just as the Israelites received manna in the wilderness each day, 
They received only enough for that day and nothing more. And so we too should receive, as we pray these words, just enough. We shouldn't hoard or anticipate our need for the next day or week or month. It's a practice and a prayer of presence, to be aware of what God has set before us right now. So as Pastor Adam was able to hand out bread to everyone, I was like, man, so delicious and nourishing. And then next week, what I'm going to really need to pass out to everybody are those stress balls that your real estate agent gives you for you to squeeze. Because this week, we have to talk about what I think is the hardest part of this prayer. And I think Jesus agrees it's the hardest part because it's the only part of the prayer that Jesus actually goes back to at the end to say, by the way, you didn't mishear me. (laughs) I really meant the part that I said in the middle. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our trespasses. That sounds good. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, I mean, I'll try. And trying should be good enough for the Lord. Well, that may have been exactly what Jesus was afraid we'd say. So in verse 14, after the prayer, he says, For if you forgive those others who trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, but if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I wonder how many of us have really ever sat with the truth of those verses. It doesn't say, try to forgive others and God will understand and forgive you. It doesn't say, try to forgive others the things you deem forgivable and God will understand that just some things are just too hard and too painful and still forgive you. Jesus says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Who needs that stress ball? <laughs> this is hard. This, this is so hard. This is so hard because what Jesus does for us in forgiving us is the very heart of the gospel. It is what sets the gospel story apart from the world's story. God breathes into our lives the truth that through Jesus we are worthy of grace no matter what we've done. That Jesus looks at us and says, I know what you've done. I have seen your sin, and I still see the value in your humanity. I still see you as beloved. Jesus looks upon us and says, you are not your worst moment. You are not the things you've done. And that is transformational. That draws us to this man, this Savior, this good news. Jesus looks upon those who betrayed him and sinned against him and even from the cross, says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus forgives us. I read a number of commentaries and listened to a series of talks on forgiveness as I prepared for this morning, and the best definition of forgiveness I came across is this. 
Forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could be different. Forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could be different. Think about that for a moment. That's hard because many of us really wish things could have been different, right? And we may have offered those words to someone who we have denied forgiveness, or we may have been on the receiving end of those words from someone who has denied us forgiveness. Well, Corey, I I really wish things could have been different. And maybe if they had been, this relationship wouldn't be beyond repair. It wouldn't be beyond forgiveness. But the truth is, the past can't be different than what it is. And hear me when I say that the truth of that statement does not belittle any amount of pain or trauma or offense we may have endured in the past. Hear me when I say that. The wrongs are still wrong. We don't have to accept the things that have left us hurt as morally okay. Jesus doesn't. When Jesus forgives us the things we've done, Jesus doesn't tell us our actions are somehow acceptable. They're still sins. If not, that might embolden us to offend more. We are not forgiven by God to be granted a free pass to wound and hurt others more. We are forgiven to be given a new identity, to be set free by the truth that the past cannot be changed, but the future still can be. And that gift of forgiveness we receive, it's powerful, it's transformational. We are indeed invited into becoming a new creation whose value and identity is not defined by the sins that we've committed, but by the love of God. And we can choose to live into that new identity with hope and purpose, or we can return to quote Proverbs like a dog to its own vomit. We can return to those same actions that imprison us again and again. But if we do truly receive that gift of forgiveness, that transformation, that new identity, then we are empowered to be givers of the same gift. That is what Jesus' instructions tell us. And we offer others that very same gift Jesus offers us when we choose to forgive, not because we've somehow decided they deserve it or that they have earned it, but because Jesus has given us new eyes, new eyes to see that person not only as the perpetrator of our woundedness, but as a human created by God for a purpose that is still being realized. I don't want this idea of forgiveness to seem abstract because it has real power in our lives. It is tangible. And some people say the most important sermons are the ones we preach to ourselves, and I very much feel that way this morning. Forgiveness is not something we just simply say, okay, I forgive you, and suddenly everything in our lives falls into place. Forgiveness is a journey for our entire being, just as the path of discipleship is. Each day we are asking God to make it clearer and more manifest in our whole lives, in our bodies, in our hearts, in our spirits, in our minds, this thing we call forgiveness. And maybe we don't know where to start, where to begin. We don't know how 
or what extending forgiveness looks like. Or maybe the person we need to forgive is gone or inaccessible. How do we forgive? Or maybe what we have to forgive is someone's inability to forgive us. I know in my own life, I've had folks from my own journey who said that very thing. You know, Corey, I wish it could have been different. And even after I offered repentance and asked for forgiveness, they just couldn't do it. They withheld it. And every time I think about those people and those incidents, I feel it everywhere. I feel it in my body. I feel it rise in my chest, this anger and disappointment, and I want to yell at them, I am not the thing I did. Can't you see, despite the pain I caused, and I admit it, that pain was real. But despite it, I'm still capable of love and reconciliation. And the truth is they can't see it. They cannot separate my identity, my, my humanity, my belovedness from the sin that I've committed. And that could be for many, many reasons, but their inability to forgive me creates anger and bitterness in me that holds me back from truly being and doing the thing I want them to believe I can be and do as a child of God. And so in those relationships, I've had to ask God to help me offer forgiveness to say, I see that you are more than your inability to forgive me. You are beloved. And I'll not let the pain you have caused me hold me back from becoming the person God has called me and instructed me to be. I'm not okay with the pain. It hurts. But I can choose to allow God's love to free me from the anger and grief that pain has caused. I recognize there is no changing the past, but Jesus has given us a new future. And perhaps being able to offer forgiveness to another person without condition or without it being warranted will model that same transformational forgiveness Jesus offers to us. And in doing so, perhaps it'll draw that person toward that powerful source of love in Christ. In listening to many voices on this topic, I had the pleasure of coming across a psychologist who works at Hope College named Charlotte Viltlight, and she talks so much about how forgiveness and unforgiveness impact our whole being. She talked about the complexities of forgiveness not being permissive of the offense or requiring us to accept the offense as okay. But to do that thing, to recognize the humanity of the other person and to release the offense's ability to continue to imprison us. She acknowledged many times we don't have a choice in the harm that someone does to us. And so we find agency, we find control in withholding forgiveness. And yet she says there is real agency, real control in extending forgiveness. Even when the other person isn't receptive or even aware of it. And at the end of her talk on this very secular podcast, the interviewer asked her what shaped her approach and scholarship, scholarship as a psychologist on the topic of forgiveness. And she spoke boldly and unapologetically. She said, my dad's a pastor. And it is the gospel of Jesus that has taught me the power of forgiveness, not only for the offender, but for the offended. 
Jesus longs for us to find freedom in the forgiveness he offers us, but also Jesus longs for us to find freedom in the forgiveness we offer to others. Our lives are to be defined by freedom to love boldly and extravagantly when and especially when people don't deserve it because that is what Jesus does for us. And what better way to reflect God's image than to offer others the forgiveness that we have been offered. There's a profound moment in the musical Hamilton. I'm sure many of you have seen it or listened to the music, but it's an incredibly powerful thing when we witness forgiveness modeled before our eyes. It it moves us. There's a song that Eliza's sister Angelica sings called It's Quiet Uptown, and she sings it in the aftermath of Eliza and Alexander losing their oldest son, Philip, in a foolish duel. And of course, in the added aftermath of Eliza finding out that her beloved has had an affair. And that pain paled, of course, in comparison to the fact that Alexander had knowledge of Philip's duel and could have, should have stopped it. Alexander bears the weight of Philip's death on his own shoulders, and he also bears the blame of Eliza of Philip's death. And as the song begins, Angelica sings, there are moments that the words don't reach. There's suffering too terrible to name. And we follow this season of pain through this song, this distance between these two people, both so wounded and carrying the burden of unforgiveness, one toward himself and the other toward the person she trusted most in the world. The unforgiveness could have continued to push them further and further apart. I mean, the offense, the actions can never be undone. Yet, the song is bookended. Angelica sings that same refrain, but this time, it's different. She sings, There are moments when the words don't reach. There's a grace too powerful to name. We push away what we can never understand. We push away the unimaginable. They are standing in the garden. Alexander by Eliza's side. She takes his hand. It's quiet uptown. Forgiveness. Can you imagine forgiveness? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They make a choice to forgive, to give up the hope that the past could be different, but to reclaim hope that the future still can be. Forgiveness is the choice Jesus makes when faced with our betrayal, with our sin. How can we not make the same choice when we ourselves have been betrayed? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let us pray. Loving God, you have reconciled us in Jesus Christ. You have given us the ministry of reconciliation.
We pray for all those from whom we are estranged. Bring healing to strained or broken relationships. Forgive us for the times we have wronged others, whether by ignorance, neglect, or intention. Grant us the courage and the grace to seek their forgiveness and the opportunity to make amends where others have wronged us. Grant us a gracious spirit that we might forgive, even as we have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.